Hello, and welcome to Don't Get Your Hopes Up, a podcast where two friends answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you the news from both Animal Crossing and Leo. Well, we'll say this, it's a, an advice podcast for now. We may choose to switch up the format at some time in the future. That is true. I'm Bailey. And I'm Lydia. And Lydia, could you start us off with your fear of the day? Yes, I can. So, a lot of us love food. A lot of us love particular foods. A lot of us love foods like peanut butter and shellfish and bread. Yes. Gluten. Yes. And I just want you all to consider that at any moment, you could develop an allergy to any one of these things. Terrifying. Cats. You love cats. You could develop a cat allergy. This is something that happened to my cousin where he was a crab-loving happy young man until he turned 25 and he suddenly became allergic to shellfish and then he couldn't eat crab anymore i don't think i knew that happened to your cousin yeah that happened to my cousin it happens to you no it's a different it's like a second cousin so just think about that actually i feel like the things that correspond to a lot of allergies are the things that people love the most yes there those are things that people feel really strongly about eggs imagine if you were allergic to eggs so just keep in mind that you could become allergic to anything at any time in your life and be grateful for what you can enjoy now. My biggest fear is that my kid would be allergic mm. to peanuts because I just wouldn't marry someone who's allergic to them. Mm-hmm. And Leo's not allergic, but if my kid was... You would have to give it up. Return the kid, yeah. Yeah, overturn the kid. <laughs> All right, Bailey, do you have a fun fact for us today? I do, and I I think it's a wholesome fact, although it's a little sad, but it works out. So my fact of the day is that baby sea otters cannot swim, so their moms will wrap them in pieces of kelp to keep them afloat. What? Or hold their hands while they sleep so that they can stay afloat. What? How long? How long do they do this? I have no more information. (laughs) I have no context for this. That's amazing. It is amazing. That's really cute. I feel like otters are closer to people than a lot of other animals. I love otters. I would love to hug one. Alright, let's get started with some questions, and let's just go right into it, Lydia. Anonymous asks, what do I do when I really don't like to let people in romantically? Oh my gosh. That's like a really heavy one to yep. start off. We're starting, we're starting big. Why did you ask me? Do you think I have that problem? No, because there's no one else here to ask. <laughs> what do I do when I really don't like to let people in romantically? I would say don't let them in. Who needs them? I think if you, I don't know, it depends. I guess if this is a lifelong problem you have and you really want to be able to let people in romantically, you have to work through that. And in order to do so, you probably have to figure out what the root of that is 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 it you're worried of rejection or you've had bad experiences in the past or whatever it is but i would say just go with that there's i think romantic stuff is overrated and you can be a great person on your own you don't need another person romantically to make you whole yeah so just do live your life have a good time and if it happens it happens and if it doesn't don't worry about it too much i feel like I used to feel that way like I was like oh I don't I'm never gonna look out for boys boys are just gonna come to me I feel like that is kind of what happened for you I mean it is kind of what happened for me but now that I'm older I 
do feel like clearly this is a problem for this person like they want this advice on this problem and we can't know what's at the root of their issue but I feel like it's at least 50% just knowing that you really don't like to let people in romantically so maybe giving them a chance or something yeah and I'm wondering at what stage like I was just imagining that this person is really scared to ask somebody on a date or something like they're friends but they don't know how to make it more But it could also be that they're dating someone and they are just, like, really guarded about it. Or they can't even have a crush on someone because they're afraid to admit that to themselves. Yeah, there's all sorts of stages here. But does it all... I mean, recognizing you have this problem is the first step to being brave about this problem. As you learn in Alcoholics Anonymous, (laughs) admitting you have a problem is the first step. But So I'm going to go with the scenario that I was imagining, which is that you have trouble asking people on dates. And maybe there's one person that's really freaking you out. Like, it's really important about that one person, and that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, especially if you don't have a lot of practice going on dates. And maybe this is bad advice, but I feel like you should just find a lesser person. (laughs) This is so mean. Maybe phrase that a little differently. This is terrible. Find a A person person who you feel lower stakes towards. Yeah, a person of lower stakes who you could see yourself being interested in. Or next time you're like, hey, that person's cute. I don't know him at all. Or her. Yeah. It's not the pressure of, we've been friends for 10 years and I'm in love with you. It's like, you're a stranger and you could be cool or you could not be. Yeah, and go on one date. And there's nothing wrong with asking somebody on a date going on one date and then not going on any other dates and I feel like that just the practice of that will can boost your confidence a lot in knowing what you want and how to get what you want yeah I would also say there's a time and place for it and you know if you're in middle school or in high school and you're too afraid to ask someone out in my opinion that's just how things can be and that's not the end of the world and there's a time to pine over someone who doesn't know your name but I guess once you're older for me I think by college it's kind of just time to just put your money where your mouth is and if you like someone ask them the coffee and the worst thing that happens is they'll say no and I promise if you ask enough people to coffee someone will say yes so I think that would be a good first step and just take it step by step but once again I think this question really depends on where in this we're in the process of a romantic relationship you have trouble letting people in and what the root of your trouble is and so maybe go to therapy go to therapy good luck anonymous with your problem i would like to move to maxime's problem okay our friend maxime has submitted a question loyal listener and maxime wants to know how should one play with cats dogs and other animals if you never grew up with animals in the house and never interact with them And can I preface this by saying that both of us grew up with multiple animals in the house, so we maybe don't know. But I have one big tip that stands out to me from watching people interact with my dog who haven't been around dogs, especially boys. The dog is not going to bite you in the crotch (laughs) as much as you think it is. So if, like, when you're just, like, limping around or, like, you know, you're, like, bent over with your hands over your crotch, like, to me, you just look a little silly. And I would assume the dog feels the same way. Uh Just get in there. Get hands on. The more afraid you are, the more the dog will be weird. Be weird and probably not in a comforting way. But it is hard when you don't have, like, intuition as to what the animal will do or not do. And I will make a counterpoint to that. 
I had a certain unnamed male friend at my house recently where I have, my mom has a really big German Shepherd. This friend did not grow up with animals at all. Uh, but within the cats? first, only with cats, yeah. Within the first 10 minutes of being in my house, this German Shepherd, he, okay, my friend was sitting on the couch. The German Shepherd got up and stepped on his balls, not once, but twice. <laughs> I don't have balls, so I can't say for sure. So it is a real risk. Like, if you don't take those precautions, he, I said, don't worry, it's not going to happen again. And then it happened again. Yeah, okay, maybe protect them a little bit. But I don't know. I do think there's merit to that. Like, there's a lot to be said for you don't know this animal. You don't know a lot of animals. So you don't know exactly what it's going to do. But it's okay to be kind of quiet and slow to approach and to start with very I don't know gentle gestures like very unoffensive gestures like just patting it on the back or something like that because I feel like that's just good for any animal and you can sort of hang back and try to get a feel and intuition for this specific animal because it is different even between individual dogs and and individual cats. I'm thinking of my dog who loves everyone and wants to jump up and lick you on the face and probably won't stop until you let that happen. But that some dogs do not want to be petted. So mm-hmm. I would say, I think that's a good point, err on the side of caution. Always approach a dog like from the side without making direct eye contact. And you can, if they don't back away, or, you know, you can let them come to you and then pet them under the chin. But, you know, it's obviously different for different animals. I think just know that the more time you spend, the more comfortable you'll get. And I've seen people go from being so afraid of a, like dogs in general that they can't be in the same house as one to being totally fine. So it is weird to be around a different species who acts unpredictably, and that's okay. And the fact that you care enough to make an effort probably means your animal-loving friends will be happy that you tried. Yeah, Maxime, that's so nice that you want to try. Maybe Maxime doesn't want to try. Maybe he lives with a dog now or something and doesn't know how to deal, but I hope it works out for you. All right, well, let's answer this question. It seems very pressing. It's from Anonymous as well. Anonymous asks, how best should I prepare a five-pound honeybit ham? <laughs> this is something I think weighing on all of us during these times and something that we need to get to as soon as possible. So, Lydia, what advice do you have for Anonymous? Jeez, I don't know. I don't even know what I what a five-pound honeybit ham looks like. Okay, I feel like my grandparents eat a lot of ham, mm-hmm. and here's what they do. The ham is cooked, right? Is a five-pound ham pre-cooked? It's baked so I'm going to say it's baked. It's baked. Okay, so it's, it's cooked meat, so you can just eat the meat. My grandparents make this, like, brown sugar maple spread, and they mm. put that on the ham. So I would use the ham, no preparation needed, I would use the ham as a vehicle for something else that's tastier than ham that you also want to eat. Yeah, and I guess I'm still trying to conceptualize five pounds. What's five pounds? How much do you think a watermelon weighs? Uh, ten pounds? Okay, so that's good. That would be Cats can be five pounds, though. Okay. You can have a five-pound cat. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot of ham. As someone who hates lunch meat, I'm a little unsure, (laughs) but I don't know. This is what I've heard from people who eat these things. Sandwiches? Sandwiches. Soups? Ew. I don't know. Ham? Soup? 
I would never eat any soup, so I can't say for sure, but that sounds like something I've heard of before. Anonymous, there may be some better outlets for your question. Most of these questions probably have a better outlet, but here we are. We're, we thank you for bringing us this question. Okay, I have another question from Anonymous, and this one's a little bit more serious. Okay. I'm guessing it's not the same Anonymous, but it really could be. It really could be. Anonymous wants to know, why do men catcall women? And what to do when you are catcalled. Yeah. And I think, it, I think it'll be interesting to hear what we both have to say about this because I know we both have pretty different experiences when yeah. it comes to being catcalled. And we live near a large-ish road that we have to walk down many times per day. And I have a lot of experience being catcalled on that road. And it is not fun. How often do you think it happens to you? Not that much, considering how many times I walked down that road, mm -hmm. but still in the last two years, at least like five or ten times I can think of where it's happened. Yeah, that's a um, lot. And there's definitely sometimes where you don't notice, like where someone honks twice at you, and maybe it's someone who knows you, or maybe they're not honking at you, but it feels like it's in a like objectifying way. You have to figure out what's best for you, because I say you have to prioritize your safety. So as much as I have been trying to invent a gesture that indicates cutting off a penis I'm also like even if I think of the best way to signify that with my body language is that really what I want because I don't want to start a conversation with someone who could be dangerous same thing with throwing rocks and also I don't have that good of aim so I usually just try to ignore it but it is very horrible and hurtful and my first advice is to never ever ever cat call someone because it's not a compliment and don't do it. I've heard a lot of different explanations for why men catcall, mm -hmm. but I've never talked directly to a person who has catcalled someone else. I, I have. Don't, you have? Well, anyways, you, you have to tell me what they said, but they people say that it it's fun or like it feels powerful or it's not, it's not even about how attractive they are. It's like yeah. just a power play, which is totally not intuitive to me. I don't know if I've ever felt like I'm in a situation where I could just do something and I could feel kind of wacky for doing it, but it, it affects somebody else that much? Well, I guess that raises two points for me. One of which is, have you ever catcalled someone, like, as a joke? I have. I've, like, catcalled friends from cars. Yeah, because I do think that's fun and it's powerful, but in a way where I know they will not feel afraid or I would feel horrible if I did that to somebody I know and they somehow did not realize it was me yeah like I, I really you really need to be in a situation where they can tell that that was oh that's my friend Bailey catcalling yeah. me from that car how funny well my advice to people who catcall is that no one's ever going to be like wow you said I have a nice rack and you yelled it at me from a distance now let's have sex so if that's your goal <laughs> just don't and it is so scary. It's so easy when you're not actually in a catcalling situation to be like, oh, I would flip them off. Oh, I would yell at them. Oh, I would do this or that. It's so scary when it's actually happening to you. And it doesn't rationally, you think you shouldn't be as scared as you are, but it is really kind of frightening. You and have so, no idea who that person is. If they have a gun, if they want to assault you or pull you into their car... You have no idea, so you you have to prioritize your safety. Yeah, but I mean, talking about that right now, I'm like, well, that's silly. Like, 99.9% .9 of people who catcall are never going to do that stuff, but it still feels that way. 
when it's happening. So I would never, never judge somebody for what they do or don't do when they're catcalled because it, it says nothing about their, their involvement in the situation. Yeah. And going off that, like in terms of not judging or not knowing what you would do, like I would just say, I feel like if you haven't been catcalled, you just don't, you might, you know, understand it in like an abstract way, but you don't know how it feels. And I experienced that. I've been catcalled many times as most women have, but I was with a guy when I got catcalled and he was always like very sympathetic and said it sounded horrible and, you know, did what he could, but he had never been catcalled. And then he was with me when I got catcalled and that was like the most upset I had ever seen him. He was just like fuming. And I was like, first of all, I was like, why is it my job to comfort you after (laughs) I was catcalled? But second of all, it's like, you know, you think you know how you feel until it happens and you might be really angry or really scared or whatever you are. And so if you haven't been catcalled, never ever catcall someone and also don't judge anyone who has because it's horrible yeah and I I, everybody I haven't been catcalled that much I would say I haven't been catcalled until college Mm -hmm. so I didn't really grow up grow up in a place where that happened and then the most I've ever been catcalled was when I was with a group of friends in Miami and it was like a group of women together and it was pretty much every day something very weird happened with men to us um so it really seems very place dependent like some yeah. places do it a lot more than others. But other times, if I'm in a place where I know where I am, like Williamsburg, I've had situations where I I think I've been catcalled and then the car's gone and I'm like, well, that was really weird. Uh, but I know some people have really vastly different reactions and it really depends on what they say and where you are and what the situation is. How vulnerable you how feel. How vulnerable you feel. And I think every reaction to that situation is really valid. If I could just, like, have a lineup of people who had catcalled people, and then I could just go one by one and just punch them in the face, (laughs) I would do that. I have this fantasy of I'm being catcalled, and I turn around and memorize the license plate number, and I call the police, and I say, hello, police, I have a complaint of sexual harassment, and then the police go and find that person, and they get in trouble. I love that. But it hasn't happened yet. Okay, I'm getting very angry. I'm sorry. That's not what I want out of this. <laughs> well, so let's go on to our next question, which comes from Luke. And Luke asks, how could I use this unplanned family time to strengthen my relationships with them? Hmm. Well, just from the phrasing of this question and not at all from my relationship with this person, it sounds like this person is coming from a place where maybe their relationships are being strained by being in such a small space. And they're trying to turn that around and make it into a positive. And I think, let's just contextualize this for people who are such fans, they listen back 10 years <laughs> and say that we're still in social distancing slash isolation slash, slash quarantine from the coronavirus. So right. that, I would assume that's what right. Luke is referring to. They're together all the time. Unplanned family time. I keep thinking, when I see unplanned and family, I think, like, unplanned pregnancy. (laughs) But that's not the question at hand. We can answer that one later. Uh, That's really hard. I think we all, as college students, understand how hard it is to go home as college students and have, feel like you have the same sense of independence and self as you do when you're at college. And then your mom tells you to brush your teeth or make dinner. Yep, and then... You're like, I'm an adult, mom. Don't tell me what to do. 
Uh, it's really hard. And we have avoided this by staying in Williamsburg, Virginia. So we are currently avoiding our family time. Yeah, I would say the best way to strengthen the relationship is by avoiding them so that you don't get mad at them. But after that, maybe a second strategy would still be avoiding them in the same house by when this is just advice in general for social distancing when you're trapped with people. When you get in that mood where you're just going to like be mad at everything someone does or says, if you have the privilege to have a space to yourself, be it a closet or a bathroom or a pantry, or if you're lucky, your own room, go to that space and take some time. Maybe even go for a walk if you don't have that, because that's not going to lead to relationship strengthening when you're in that mood. Yeah, that's not a productive time. You may, you, I do this all the time. You think that you are thinking the thoughts that are true, but really you're just annoyed and maybe you're annoyed at something but everything's going to come out worse so you don't want to be stuck in that same space but what are some ideas you have for family bonding oh family bonding i love board games i think it's so fun to play board games with your family but if you guys are already mad at each other everybody's situation is so different first do the take some time away and then play a board game once you're better (laughs) than the board game um also though what if you're in a situation where your family members don't respect that you need space, you know? Yeah, give them this podcast and then they'll understand <laughs> that you need space. And if they don't give you space, you'll just stay in one third away from them because you need space. Yeah, I, I think ultimatums are always a good idea. I no. love ultimatums. I'm just kidding. I don't think that's I'm a very not. good idea at all. <laughs> but if it's really bad, I mean, you could consider instigating some calm thought out conflict you could say that's how to really strengthen your relationship I yeah have like some hard conversations like say hey family this is what's been happening to me and these are the reasons why I don't think it should be happening I'm 21 years old I'm an adult I go to school I deal with this myself now all the time and it's really making me feel this way I really need xyz in our relationship to change as we get older You know, when you have a sleepover and then because you're like together for so long and because it's like dark, then you get to know secrets. Yeah. You could treat this family time like that and you could find out your family's secrets. Ooh, family secrets. Do that. Do that. Forget what I just said. I like to ask my mom like at least once every couple months. Okay, mom, I'm insert age now. You can finally tell me the family secret. And I still haven't gotten it out of her, but I still hold out. Maybe when I'm 30, that's what age she's waiting for. I don't uh-huh. know. You probably can't handle it yet. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I just want to know the secret. I think that's... Forget everything else we just said. Just get your family to tell you stories. Like, try to get all the dirt you can out of them. All the family secrets. Ask your mom every day. Hey, mom, what's the goss? Tell yeah. me a secret. Okay, I have one more idea for Luke. Luke, go watch a really sad movie about like your family member dying um you could watch still alice i think would be pretty relevant or do you have a movie about like a dead parent you can think of i do but i have to look it up so keep talking um yeah so find a movie like that and then you'll be really sad and try and channel that into your relative who you're sick of until you feel like they're dead and you miss them and then go hang out with them and it's like and however many years from now when they are dead, you're just wishing you would give anything to have that one less conversation, even if it was just them telling you a recipe you don't care about or, you know, giving you some advice that you don't want. Just get in that stage, then you can appreciate them. 
I think I watched the movie Here After, which covered this tsunami that happened based on a real tsunami. And in the first couple scenes, so this is not a spoiler, but it might hit you really hard. Uh, one of the main characters was a twin. Ooh. And his twin got hit by a car and died. Awesome. And for some reason, oh, that was the hardest I've cried at any movie. Like, I was in the movie theater just just bawling, just like tears falling out of my mm-hmm. eyes. Maybe you don't even have to watch the whole movie. Just watch the first 20 minutes of that movie and then think about it. In the description, we'll put a list of really sad things you could watch to make you feel better about your own life. All right, so now we have updates the news about the coronavirus. So Lydia, what are our updates on March 23rd? So as Bailey mentioned, we are still in the era of social distancing. Um, several states have gone on stricter lockdown measures. Several countries have gone on stricter lockdown measures. We in Virginia are roughly the same, but I do want to share that James City County remains in the lead for coronavirus cases in Virginia. And I have to say, we probably only have William & Mary and our elderly population to thank for that. And as a very competitive student body, we're pretty excited to yeah. see where Yeah, I don't see UVA leading in the coronavirus boards, okay? Um, and I also want to share this new paper published in Science a couple of days ago. This paper was published by Jeffrey Shaman, who is a public health and disease transmission expert who teaches researches at Columbia. And he and some colleagues got together and studied transmission data from China to infer characteristics of the COVID-19 disease. So this is like a data science project. This is not based on actual testing. But what these guys found is that based on the way that it spread through China, they estimate that 80% of coronavirus cases that are transmittable are asymptomatic or so mildly symptomatic that individuals do not get tested and do not seek out testing and may never even know that they have it. Um, And this suggests that asymptomatic carriers are a pretty big vehicle for transmission of the virus. So let this be a bit of encouragement to you all. I know I've taken this news very seriously um, to step up your social distancing, do your best to see as few people as possible. Wow. This is a crazy time for us. <laughs> it is really wild. It's very interesting, though. It's very interesting to be able to read, like, primary source literature about it. I have a message for the coronavirus today. And it's a pretty personal and selfish message that I have for the coronavirus today. So, dear coronavirus, can you just, like, let me know if you're here or not? Because you know I have hypochondria, okay? You know I deal with this a lot where I think I have something that I don't. And I just can't be dealing that with this because there's just so much guilt. And I'm trying to social distance, but in terms of mental health, it's good to see a very few people in an insulated cell of people. But I feel guilty doing that when I have a sore throat, which is probably from the pollen that just landed, which I experience a sore throat from every year. But now I don't know. So coronavirus, just hit me up. If I have you or don't, just give me a little sign either way. I really appreciate it. I wish I could just get swabbed every day. I just yeah. want to know every day. Do I have well, it? Well, if our podcast goes up in the charts enough, you can. We could get famous. All celebrities. We could get famous swabbed. and tested. Go to uh, the, if you do have to, if you do experience symptoms and you think you need to get tested, make sure you bring your um, valid driver's license or other form of personal identification 
as well as a printout to your IMDB page or your basketball stats <laughs> to make sure that you can get seen and get tested. Oh, man. That's good. Okay, speaking of famous people getting tested, all right, I have a question. Okay. It's not my question. It's from Anonymous. What uh, anonymity these days? Yeah, guys, own up, okay? This question wants to know, where is Joe Biden? No one knows. That's the answer, right? This has been trending on Twitter, right? Where is he? Joe? Yeah. Are you listening? Joe? So there's, are, there's conspiracy theories that Joe Biden, since the debate, has not really been seen in the public, which makes sense, social distancing, but has also not really appeared in live streams. Is that true? I don't know that much about this. I, I don't know. I only know like the tweets I've seen out of context. <laughs> but from from my from my detailed understanding and my play, I feel very qualified to speak on this matter based on like the three tweets I've seen about this and not doing any other research. Let me say that. Bernie Sanders has been out there on the front lines while practicing social distancing. And I'm pretty sure he's been donating money from his campaign to help the coronavirus, okay? This is a man who cares about universal health care. Then we have Joe Biden. Where is he at? Where is he? Where'd he go? No one knows. Is that who you want? You didn't come here for facts. Yeah. You may be misleaded by the sections where we explicitly talk about facts, but that's not that's what this podcast is about. about. That's why we label them as explicit facts, <laughs> so you know the rest of it is not very factual. Yeah, so Joe Biden may or may not be suffering from the coronavirus right now, and we'll never know. I think that would be fair for him to admit, because Bernie had to admit about his heart problems. Then I know. Puts them on... Remember at the debate, they literally asked each of them, which of you would be most likely to die from the coronavirus? I would recommend, <laughs> if you're bored and social distancing, you need to go back and watch uh. the last debate between Bernie and Joe because it was hilarious. That it was, was the most shade I've ever seen. It was pretty much on par with the drama of The Bachelor. So wild. Definitely recommend that TV. Alright, Lydia. Here's a question that Eileen asks us, which is we our philosophical question of the day. Go back to our last episode. We answered, are we in a simulation? And now we will answer, does life require a purpose and or goal? Ugh. Eileen, that's so hard. Does it require it? I'm going to get biological, okay? Biological? Biological. Okay, let's go. I'm going to say I'm a big fan of Charles Darwin, and I'm going to say that life as a system does not have a goal. Okay. There's no reason that organisms now exist mm-hmm. other than it was favorable for them to exist. Basically, some molecules got together in a way that was Mm self-propagating, and that created the singular rule of life that if it is successfully self-propagating, it will continue to exist and self-propagate. And if it is not successful at self-propagating, it will not continue to exist or self-propagate. So that's why we're all here, is because there's a long line of successful self-propagation. That is one perspective. So that's one perspective that I have, which is, and even that doesn't really have an answer, because some would argue that that means there is no purpose or goal, because Mm -hmm. evolution is mindless, and it's not happening for a reason, it's happening because it's almost a circular argument, because because what it is requires it to happen, but Mm -hmm. other people would say that is a purpose in itself. My question for you, as the religious expert in this room of two people with limited religious knowledge, what is the purpose of life, if you're religious, like, 
obviously God's in the answer somewhere, but like, what is the purpose of life? If you're religious, yeah, I'm imagining that I'm a religious person. Yes. Or can I also answer it from like a human perspective? Like, do I think it's important for us? I mean, that's not my question, but you could also answer that. <laughs> uh, a religious person is sort of just takes it as a rule, right? If I believe in God, I believe that because God says my life is precious, my life is precious, and that is meaning. So the purpose is just like God made me. And that mm-hmm. must be important. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's sure what a religious person would say. Okay. I don't think they have... I mean, they shouldn't sin, but that's not the purpose. Like, being good is not the purpose. And what would you say is the purpose or goal of your life? Of my life? Oh, geez. Like, okay, kind of a hybrid. Well, here's a question. I do think that... We'll just talk about humans here. I do think that universal human rights should exist in that a person has value because they are alive and because they are a person Mm -hmm. tune in next week when we cover abortion (laughs) yeah this is just like the philosophy class we took together and i don't think it's possible to determine like a a widespread like i'm of the belief that people should be able to to determine their own life purpose and or goal Mm -hmm. um but what if they wish to specifically Animal Crossing? I think mine, the one that I've established for myself is to be with good people and, like, have a good family, but family loosely defined. So that's, like, the friends and family that I most closely associate with. Because I would say that's what I care most about. Like, careers are good, and I want to have a career that I like. But some people, I feel like what they want to do is have that job and, like, work. And what I really want to do is interact with people and be with people that I find really, like, interesting and good and worth having in my life. It's a very wholesome purpose and goal. I like that. Yeah. I think that a great way to think about this is something that Kristen Bell was talking about when she was a guest on Dax Shepard's armchair podcast hey maybe if we shout out Dax Shepard he'll, he'll shout, shout out, out us, us right yeah, so listen so. to armchair expert by Dax Shepard yeah. specifically the first episode is it I think it's the second episode but is it know. the first anyways it's an early episode with Kristen Bell um it's a lot more interesting than this episode of our podcast and Kristen Bell is talking about um increasing happiness and reducing suffering that's kind of her purpose in life and I think that makes a lot of sense because if you think of it as the only purpose is happiness and you're kind of taking a hedonistic point of view, then perhaps you hurt others along the way because it brings you, you just are trying to get to pleasure however you can. But I think if you integrate that perspective with also trying to reduce, or increase global happiness and reduce global suffering, then that's a better way to think of it. And it's a hard balance between, you know, your personal needs and wants as one person versus helping the world. And, you know, it feels good to help the world, but it also feels good to take a long shower which is probably not great for the environment so it's, it's a hard balance but I think that's a really good purpose in life um to each their own yeah as much as we want them to be like I feel like there are no concrete rules we can derive from morality mm-hmm. unless it's like the really easy ones even those even get, those get, like a tricky situation but sometimes I do to more directly address Eileen's question I do feel like most humans if we take a virtue ethics standpoint, do 
require some sort of reason to be doing what they're doing in order to thrive, in order to be their best self. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't need one to exist, but you need one to thrive. Yeah. That's my answer. Yeah. As someone who's taken multiple philosophy classes. Yeah. basically an expert. Yeah. What if we end on a lighter note with a very important question, but that's a little easier to answer, which comes from Jenna, who asks, how to select a good dog? Ooh, we've both selected dogs. I thought you were going to say good dogs, and I was like, well, let's just... We've both selected dogs. (laughs) We've both selected dogs. Bailey, you go first. You've selected dogs most recently, so I want to know what you think. Yeah, I mean, I knew that I wanted to get... I wanted to adopt from a shelter or rescue, and so it probably wasn't going to be a purebred, and I probably didn't want it to be a purebred because there's usually more health issues, like from inbreeding. So that was my first qualification and as much as they tell you to do those like quizzes and it's like oh you know you are more of an indoors person who doesn't like to do high intensity exercise okay get one of these lazy dog breeds Mm -hmm. but then you look at the breeds and you're like this dog isn't as cute as the other one (laughs) so here I am with a Labrador retriever mix who needs like 10 hours of exercise per day to be happy um I think it is hard I don't know if I can give advice on how to select a good dog because I tried to do all the I read a million books and I tried to do the temperament testing of sensitivity and intelligence and obedience and all those things. And I was told this dog is very calm and submissive and I have not found him to be that way. Not at all that way. But I do love him more than pretty much anything else. I looked in his eyes. I saw I held a lot of dogs and I almost got a lot of dogs and it just didn't feel right. And I looked in his eyes and I just knew that's the one I wanted. And maybe in an alternate universe I have a dog who is better behaved and has less medical problems and maybe I'm happier but in this universe I'm glad that I picked the dog who I picked if you're getting a rescue it's really hard like you don't really get to pick as much maybe the answer is don't select a puppy select an older dog and you'll know a lot more about their personality well good dog so like there's a couple avenues like I feel like if you're getting a rescue which is probably what you should do Mm -hmm. um it is a lot harder and maybe you should get a slightly older dog I feel like it really helps if you know that the dog's mom was with them for a long enough time, because that can really impact things. Throw shade That's my current okay. theory about what Leo's problems are about. I come from a family who has had rescue dogs and dogs from breeders, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to do the breeder thing. Like, If you decide that I need a dog that I know can be, I don't know, a certain lifestyle or a certain size or whatever and you decide that you need a certain breed of dog there are things you can do to like minimize the risk of inbreeding health problems first of all don't get a pug or something dumb like that like just don't get a dog that shouldn't be allowed to exist because it can't diagram of a good dog and a pug i don't know if this overlaps at all (laughs) it's two circles but you really want to do your research and make sure you're getting your puppies from not just a breeder, like, not just not a puppy mill. You should never get dogs from a puppy mill. But also, there are a lot of kind of shady breeders out there, too. Oh, yeah. And there are breeders who are really not good, and they don't practice good breeding. There are breeders who are, like, kind of better, but still have some weird stuff going on. And then there are really, really good breeders. And unfortunately, you probably have to spend more money for the really, really good breeders. But you want somebody who cares about and knows about genetics and cares about 
dispositions that the breed has and cares about mitigating them. My mom got Nico from this like Canadian, ultimately he came from this Canadian breeder that doesn't like the way German Shepherds are bred for their sloping hips because mm-hmm. it causes hip problems. And so he's working on kind of a different strain of German Shepherd where they're more upright and like more healthy and active. So you really have to do your research in terms of that. But I agree with what you said, which is that you can have all these things in mind. And if it's a puppy, like you can't know what they're going to turn out like, but you can feel which one you like the best. And who knows if that corresponds to the best in the future, because you probably only got one of them. I don't know if there's been a scientific study on picking a dog that way. Every book I've ever read says don't do that. But it's but if you're happy and you love your puppy... And I thought of a couple more tips that no one asked me for. Then that's a good dog. So I would say another thing is make sure you go into training right away. There's no dog that's too young to start with training. On the other hand, make sure you're really patient. You, You need to, for a puppy, you need to train them not to bite. And you need to train them not to jump. But... It won't work. It'll be... The most easy part is just, like, while you're working to train that, you're just waiting because time is going to help with that. So be patient. Don't give up on training. And then I also think that another great way if you're going to get a rescue dog is to foster. Because if you foster multiple dogs, it gives you a sense of what you like and what you don't like. And if you're getting a dog from a shelter, they can have a completely different personality when they're not in that environment. Um, We got a dog and... For two months, we thought our dog doesn't bark, and then he barked more than any other dog I ever knew. <laughs> so just if you can foster, it's worth the time to invest in a lifelong relationship. You don't get to choose your kids or your parents. There's very few relationships you get to choose, so make sure you choose a good dog. And if it's your dog, you'll probably still think it's a good dog. If you think of the dogs you know that other people have, you probably like them a lot less than your dog. And it's probably not because they're less good. It's just because it's not your dog. Yeah. All right. Can we go to our sponsors? So this podcast was brought to you today by Ambient Noises in our household. You may have heard the trash truck outside, doors opening and closing. I'd like to thank these sponsors for helping make our podcast (laughs) possible today. Uh, We'd also like to thank Family Secrets. If you ask your mom for secrets long enough, something will come out. Something. Just keep pressuring her until she reveals it. We'd like to thank dog cause crotch pain today. <laughs> we don't know much about it. We don't have as sensitive crotches as some, but it may or may not be a common occurrence, and it helped make today's show possible. Just like catcalling, we'll trust that it exists. Yes. Uh, and today's podcast was brought to you by a five-pound honey-baked ham. Ooh. An entire, an entire question that we had no idea how to answer. Maybe order online for social distancing purposes. <laughs> Finally, today's podcast is brought to you by Life's Purpose. We're not sure what it is, but maybe it exists. All right. Bailey, I think we should go to our respective newses. And I gotta say, I have some news from Animal Crossing. It has been a really big week for Animal Crossing. Oh, please give us the news. So excited. Animal Crossing came up Friday. I've been working on my town for the three days since then. And And you started Thursday at midnight, is that right? I started Thursday at midnight. Yeah, the midnight between Thursday and Friday. Okay. So my town's name is Laharto, which I got from an online name generator. And it looks really good when you write it down, but it doesn't sound as good when you say it. But that's okay, because nobody says anything in Animal Crossing. Uh, I currently have a shop and a museum, 
and I'm having the time of my life. Yesterday, my character pole vaulted against across multiple rivers. Uh, she got knocked out by a tarantula bite. She got knocked out by multiple wasp stings, and she met a lot of new people. Wow. It's going really well. What day so far has been your most fun day to play it? Um, probably today. Because oh, okay. I got a lot of new stuff today. Now I have a museum on my island, and it's beautiful. It's, like, really beautiful. It looks like the inside of a really nice museum. Well, we'll try and wrap this up quickly because we know you need to get back to okay, thank you. town. But the news from Leo, thankfully, is minimal this week. He hasn't been back to the vet, which is good. We've ordered some more of his very expensive dog food, so hopefully that'll come before everything is out of stock. He has been pretty bad recently, which is like, come on, dude. Like, we're home all the time. You get so much extra attention. You're in your crate so much less. And he's just been very bad. So I don't know if it's just like a regression week, but the other night I let him outside to go to the bathroom because he does not like to do that in front of anyone. So I just let him out at night and he goes by himself. Um, And then he wouldn't come back inside after. So I went out to get him and I have a strategy where I go over to the gate with the leash and then he thinks we're going for a walk. So he lets me put the leash on, but he wouldn't and he was too excited and he was jumping on me. And then he was, like, scratching me until my arms bled and also covered me in mud. <laughs> and then I almost cried because it was really oh, mean no. of him. But tell, tell them about your latest discovery about levels yeah. of activity. Well, so yesterday, due to just a bunch of random circumstances, he had to be in his crate a bit. And since I've been home from social distancing, he's been in his crate for maybe, like, two hours a day max. But yesterday, he was in there for pretty much, like, five hours in a row. And... He came out and went for a walk, and then he was so good. Like, at nights recently, he's been so bad, and he was just so good. He was so calm and sleepy, and I was like, you know, maybe the crating is good for him. Maybe he's an introvert, and he's just been like, can't be on all the time, guys. I need some time alone. Can't be protecting you all the time. So I don't know what caused it, but maybe I'll try that again today. And I think part of it is I have to leave the house. Like, I think if he's just crated here, then he, like, knows I'm Oh, home. you have to go somewhere. So, I don't have many places to go due to the current climate, so I'll probably just go for, like, a four-hour walk, <laughs> and it'll just be worth it if he's calm when I get back. <laughs> so, oh, stay tuned may. for next week. Maybe it'll be more interesting news from Leo, but I kind of hope not, because usually when it's interesting, it's bad and expensive. What a relationship when you have to walk yourself in order yeah. for your dog to be good. <laughs> yeah, we're really on the next level. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for listening to the second episode of Don't Get Your Hopes Up. I think you're supposed to say, now if you haven't listened to the first, go back, And but I'm not, I don't really feel that way about the first episode. Listen to the second one, and you can just listen to the third one next week. Yeah, go forward from here. The third one's going to be even better. Send in your questions if you have them, and stay tuned, because we don't know if we'll ever have another episode, and if we do, it might be completely differently themed, so stay tuned. Stick around. Thanks so much. Good night. Good night.